Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime, and welcome to our first show of the new year, the new decade, and Kaylin will be a year older when this posts. Right, because so. it's Sunday right now, yes. and this won't come out until Thursday. Thursday. But my birthday's on Wednesday, so... So hopefully y'all got drunk and sent her money, because that's apparently what she's used to. That would be fantastic. I would <laughs> love nothing more. You don't even have to get drunk. Just send her money. And she'll right. Be like, hey, there you go. Right. You don't have to be drunk for it. It's fine. Drunk might help me out, because you yeah. might... <laughs> Give more. Right. <laughs> so... This week is kind of a weird, weird week. We didn't stick to a state specifically um, because we had talked about you updating the Jennings 8 and then mm -hmm. things ended up just not wor working right now for that, um, which is fine. I think that we would rather take more time and yes. get it right versus yeah, definitely. Um, just kind of like going out there and being like, this is what we know. Right, Good right. Luck. You know what I mean? Yes. So I don't think that's a huge deal. But with thinking that you were doing a Jennings 8 update, <laughs> I didn't want to go to our next state and right. just only have one. Well, and we had said we were going to do kind of an end of the year thing anyway. Right. So. And I kind—I should have gone first yesterday. <laughs> or today. I should have gone on Monday. I should have been the first episode. Okay. This would have been a nice one to... I mean, nice is a, is a probably not the right word, word for it. But this would have been a good one to like end the year on. Okay. And this was something that I decided that I wanted to do because I have seen so many articles, so many videos, so much of this shit over the last few years oh, boy. Um, that I felt like we needed to talk about it. We talk okay. about it. A little bit here and there, mostly in our the first couple of minutes of our episodes of like, oh, this happened, and then this happened. But I wanted to go a little deeper. Okay. And so today we're going to be, I decided that we're not just doing one case. We're going to talk. Yeah, because you told me. So I don't know anything about this. Literally nothing. She knows. No, she, she no just, idea. all I know is that you said we weren't doing one particular state. Right. And. That I was doing something different. And that's, that's all I, all I know. Well, I decided to do some research on fatal shootings by policemen Ooh. over the last few years. Okay. So this specifically, the seed got planted in my mind to do this. The other day when I had found, I had seen a video of a little girl getting shot at. In oh. a home, and I posted this to our discussion group. So if you're in our discussion group, where the cop was trying to kill her dog, which is also part of this, this right. whole thing. Was... Well, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll okay. There. Sorry. So that was that was just kind of like where the seed planted, mm -hmm. and then as I started seeing more and more things, and then I was watching court TV the other day, and there was another case that we'll talk about on there as well, and it's just like I keep seeing it, mm -hmm. and we've never addressed it. In a big way. Right. It's normally just like, oh, this happened last week and mm -hmm. this sucks and mm -hmm. this and that. Mm -hmm. And I, as I started doing some research, I, insane. So first of all, the Washington Post did and is still continuing to do an amazing research on this. Right. So according to the Washington Post, as of December 24th, so just right before Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. or on Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve, I'm sorry. The, according to the Washington Post, 
There have been 897 people shot and killed by police in 2019. That is everyone. That is not just unarmed people. That That, that is, is in a single year? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. 897 people were killed by police from January 1st to December 24th. Correct. Wow. And that is lower than 2018's, which was 992 in 2018. Wow. And those are all fatalities. Those are not... That's not just shooting and wounding. That is a This is they killed you. Yes. So we know there's far more. Correct. And it's absolutely fucking insane. It is. It's insane. It is insane. That is such a high number of people. Yes. And the fact that doesn't get talked about. No. And there is going to be one case in here that I kind of talk about. One, because it's in Mountain Home. But it wasn't a shooting. It was more of just like force by police, okay. I guess. And I saw this last night. And then as I did some more research, I realized that this is... A bit old. This okay. it happened in 2012. So, but I had never heard of it, and somebody had posted it to Facebook. So, can like, we talk about back to your numbers for 2018, 2019? Yes. Do we know how much of an increase, decrease? Like, how does this play out? So there is a chart that does show that it did de it almost decrease or. Um, there have been 75 less shootings this year than last than year. Last year's and then do time. we have maybe for like the decade or how does this play out historically? So I can go back up until 2015 because they started doing all of this research okay. as of 2015. And so they've got uh, a database for all four okay. years since 2015. And that's all on the Washington Post. So this Post. is all, this is a very small period. So it'd be hard to have kind of a historical feel for this. Right. Okay. Um, but I mostly wanted to look at shootings of unarmed yes. victims yes. because I think that, and I don't like to use the word justify, but when you've got, when a policeman has a suspect who has, is armed mm -hmm. with anything right. and they charge at the police officer, yes. they are trying to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. They do something which... Honestly, in my opinion, when it comes down to suicidal suspects with weapons, mm -hmm. why shoot them and kill them? Right. Well, and like, we know that, yeah. You're supposed to, like, yes. not do that. Right. right. Well, and that's the thing that, like you said, we've talked about this in the past, and that's been one of my biggest issues, is I feel like police have become, in general, very empowered and expected to escalate situations rather, rather than, than de-escalate. De and they yes. get almost no training in de-escalation. Correct. And I think that is also, well, and like I said, I've been ranting the last few episodes about we need a much better trained police force. And this is another reason why I wanted to do this and not tell you about it. Yeah. Because I know... How strongly I feel about this. Exactly. And I think that this would this was going to mm -hmm. be a really good discussion. Now, I'm going to... The case I want to start with, I am going to go over a couple of specific cases. We're not going to dive too far deep, but I am going to briefly talk about them. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about was not a shooting. This was... And I saw the video... This actually article, this article was posted in 2014 
And it, there's a video that goes along with it for Elmore County Jailer shoving inmate into wall. I remember this. I do not remember this. Oh, I remember. I saw this everywhere. And this video, I will actually share this to our discussion group and so that you can see it because, well, the picture itself is already very telling, but this poor girl... Granted, yeah, she got arrested. We don't know what she was arrested for, but we do know that she was very combative mm -hmm. and argumentative with the jailers. But that that does not give anyone the right to shove this girl like he did. He did, no. Because, I mean, he could have killed her. Like She, fl one, flew, flew through the air. Mm -hmm. Both her head and her back hit. Because, like, the, her head hit the wall mm -hmm. and her back hit the corner of what would be the bed. Mm-hmm. And she ends up, after he shoves her, she's just sitting there kind of rocking back mm -hmm. and forth. And she's not arguing at all at this point anymore. And then another, you've got two more uh, sheriffs coming in or deputies. Now, are you going to bring up mental health at all today in this? Yes. Okay, because maybe I'll say, but because that's another thing that is a big part of this. And so there are definitely parts of this that we can put the blame on individual police officers very, very clearly. Right. And I do not want to say that I don't feel like police officers should definitely be prosecuted for some of these things. Right. On the other hand, there is a very legitimate argument to be made that we, especially in Idaho, we have no, no system of, mental health care. Right. And we have no way of dealing with people who are in any sort of mental health crises. Right. It's always mental health care by cop, yes. which is not fair to the patient. It's definitely not fair to the police officer. And you do get a lot of tragic, horrific things that happen right. in those cases. Right. So with this one specifically, first of all, this, the video is insane, but when you kind of dig deeper, did you hear anything else about this after it first no. came out? No. So the sergeant that this happened to, this was a sergeant for the sheriff's department. He then later was demoted to a deputy, but he ends up full, all in all gets sentenced to five days in jail or a hundred hours of community service, but it was up to him to decide which one he wanted to do. And we then learn that there was a, an Elmore County deputy and he was there the night that this happened. He was one of the two other deputies that had entered the room after the inmate had gotten thrown into a wall. And we then find out that this deputy gets fired. So he's the one, right? He was basically like the whistleblower, correct? The one that gets fired. Yes. He's the one who reported this and did the right thing. Yes. So the perpetrator does get a demotion because this did cause a huge uproar. Right. Although, again, it was that enough. But this guy got fired. I do remember yeah. that now that you say so that. So the deputy had gone in and a couple of days after it had happened, he had gone to his captain hey, this happened, this isn't right. And the captain ended up basically just saying, like, we don't really see that anything wrong happened here. And nothing really happened. And so after that, the same deputy that had gone to his captain decided to go up the chain of command and went to the investigators. Mm -hmm. And eventually 
this deputy was fired for cursing in the jail. Oh my! So they fired him. So for you cussing. can slam an inmate into a wall and mm-hmm. you get a demotion, mm-hmm. but if you swear, you get fired. Right. That makes perfect sense. So the the sergeant that pushed the inmate yeah. kept his job. Job, and this guy got fired. Yes. And tell me he wasn't targeted. And that is the other problem here too, mm-hmm. is again, you have the hands, sorry, you have the foxes watching the hen house. Mm-hmm. That is the other problem with police seen in this country is that they investigate their own. Mm-hmm. There is no outside investigation. Right. It all is done interior. And that is a bunch of bull. Yeah, that just drives me over the edge. Right. Another thing with this one is the department policy is that any staff person using physical force um, and the inmate against whom the force was used will both receive immediate medical attention. Mm -hmm. That's what the policy says. And she did not. This girl did not get medical attention for three hours after getting her head shoved into a brick wall. Unbelievable. And the, yeah, so the captain told investigators that he had talked to the sergeant, but didn't think that it was a big deal. And so they did not file a report, even though per, per their policy, they, they should, should have, have filed a report. Right. Um, and then that's when three weeks later, the, de, um, the deputy went up the chain of command and he contacted the Elmore County investigators. And while that was happening, the, uh, Sergeant Robeson is his name, mm-hmm. who did the shoving. He was showing the video of what happened to other jailers. Bragging almost about yeah. it. Saying that something along the lines of, you need to do that from time to time to shut them up. Oh my gosh. See, and that's just it. You know, that is that attitude. And again, you know, part of it, is, you know, when you watch movies and stuff, we cheer that kind of behavior. Do you know what I mean? Like she would have been cast as this mouthy villain and she did something wrong. And so then our hero in uniform comes in and slams her into the wall. And we in the audience would be like, yeah, she deserved that. And we need to, you know, real life has a different set of rules. Right. And like I said, you know, I went off on my whole thing about, If you want to have a civil society, you have to have these laws and rules in place, no matter how badly you want to break them. Right. Do you know what I mean? And that's one of the things is that, yes, she was combative. Yes, she was argumentative. Mm -hmm. Yes, she shouldn't have been doing those things. Right. But that doesn't mean you throw her into a wall. No. And again, you have to decide, are we going to be a country, are we going to be a punitive country or are we going to be a country that believes in rehabilitation? Right. And right there, those are very different approaches. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a teacher, like I said, the, you know, there there is some carryover here. Do you want me as a teacher in there punishing your kids or do you want me teaching them, rehabilitating them, helping them to make better choices and learn to be better people? Right. Those are two very different mission sets. Right. Now, one of the defenses that they used for this deputy was saying that the reason that she flew back so far is because he lost his balance. Yeah. Which is whatever. bullshit. Yes. You watch this video, his feet are planted mm-hmm. and he is full on shoving yes. her with every ounce yep. of force in his body. Yeah. 
And if, if you stumbled, you would lose some of that trajectory force yeah. of pushing somebody forward. Right. And so that, ugh. So that's the one that we're, that's the one I kind of wanted to talk about because I didn't know anything about that until last night because I had, somebody had posted it to Facebook and I thought this was a new thing. Oh, no. And then I I saw it and it was not. (laughs) Now, another one that we have also slightly talked about was the, um, the Texas woman who had died because she was in her own home Mm -hmm. and they shot her through the window. Yes. Now, this was in Fort Worth, Texas, and... And they are going to prosecute that. Yes. Which, thank God. Mm -hmm. So, this was on... Or, I'm sorry, this was in early October, middle of October, and it was on a Saturday, and police had gotten a call from one of her neighbors, and it was about 2 a.m. when they got the call, saying that they just wanted a, a, a welfare check. check because it was 2 a.m. and her one of her doors that he could see, the house door, was open mm-hmm. since about 10 p.m. And so he just wanted to call, he called a non-emergency number, right. mm-hmm. be like, hey, can you go check on them because yeah. their door's open and I'm worried. Mm-hmm. And he Yeah, this was said, not a 911 call. No, this was a non-emergency yep. call. And the... The two officers are walking around the perimeter. They end up walking past two open doors and don't knock, don't announce themselves, nothing. They're just creeping around the house, looking in the windows. You talked about this one before, and I remember when you told me that, the whole creeping around and, you know, being very, like, sneaky Right. When you're supposed to be making an, a welfare check, basically. Right. You knock it's, on the door. Yeah. Hey, is everybody yeah. okay? And the door's open. So even if you didn't just like knock and wait there, you knock, you can step in. Police, announce yourselves. Yeah. You're supposed to do that. Right. And as they're creeping around, they get to one of the windows and they see a woman inside and they shoot her. And she dies on the scene. In front of her nephew. Her eight-year-old nephew. They were playing video Video games. games. Yeah. And she was doing nothing Nothing. wrong. Right. And they just shot her. Well, and then the the cop, didn't he later claim that she leaned out the window with a gun in her hand or something like that? They said that there was a gun found in the home, but it has not been announced whether or not she was anywhere near that gun. And again, she has the right, and especially in Texas. Texas is a stand your ground state. Texas encourages people to have a gun in their home. And if you hear somebody, you have the right to shoot them. Right. So you need to also understand, how are you going to reconcile this? Those two things. Right. Announce yourselves. You're yes. police. Fucking announce yourself. Yes. Which you're supposed especially, to do anyway. Especially with a welfare check. And I thought cops had to do that anyway. Right. Hmm. Well, yeah. And the neighbor that had called the cops, he said that he was stunned by what happened. He never would have imagined that's what would have happened. He was checking to make sure they were okay. Right. And he was he, trying to do the right thing. Right. And so he said, if you don't feel safe with the police, with the police department, who do you feel safe right. with? And you know what? That has become, that's a big part of the Jennings 8 case that mm-hmm. we've talked about. That has become, especially for communities in poverty, communities that uh, of color, Mm-hmm. don't trust the police. And there was another video. And that that's I a recipe for disaster. Right. 
there was another video that I had watched and it was some sort of political figure in Texas. I don't know who she is. I don't remember what she did. I don't know anything about her, but I did watch her give a speech and it was specifically about this woman. I'm sorry. I never even said her name. Um, her name is the woman who died. Where is it? Her name is Tatiana Jefferson. She yeah. was 28 years old. Rest in power. And I watched a video of, she was some sort, it was a political event that she was speaking at. And she starts talking about how not long before Tatiana had been shot, that this woman had an issue with the police. And she was a white, white woman. She lived in an upper class neighborhood in Texas. I do remember this now. And apparently in the front of her home in her living room, she has like floor to ceiling windows. Mm -hmm. The curtains were open. She said anyone could have seen that she was sitting in her living room watching a movie. Yep. And as she's sitting there, she starts, she lets her dog out and her dog starts going fucking crazy. So she goes outside and hears people walking around mm -hmm. and stuff. And she has to ask, who's there? Come to find out the cops are poking around in her backyard yep. because they got a call about a barking dog. dog. And she was like, why the f basically, like, why the fuck didn't you just knock on my front door? You could see that I was That's home. Right. And she said her, I think her exact words were, at that moment, my biggest fear was what if they shot my dog? Yeah. And then she starts talking about a Tatiana who was like, well, she is doing the same like she was mm -hmm. in her home, it was in a different neighborhood, and she was a black woman. And her biggest fear is, what if they shoot me? me? And that is a huge thing that we need to talk about, you know. And so, and I think I've mentioned this before, and you know, we've talked a lot about the failings of law enforcement in the 1970s with some of our, you know, our older crimes and things. Right. But I will tell you, you know, when I grew up, there was a, at least a lot of talk about, you know, police going into communities and building relationships. Like I said, I remember learning that a cop could not shoot you in the back if you were running away. That's, That's no longer the case. Um, you know, and this whole thing of, and like I mentioned earlier, the militarization of our police forces that has happened, like, exponentially since... Um, 9-11, uh, right. but also started with that huge shootout down in um, California with the bank robbers. And I cannot remember the name of the case, but this was in the 90s. And you had these people and they had robbed a bank and they just had like the most amazing weapons and body armor. Like they were prepared and the cops had nothing compared to what they had. And that was a real turning point too, where people were like, Hey, we got to make sure our cops have all this, you know? And then nine 11 started this whole thing that when the military gets rid of stuff, they're giving it to all of these police departments now. Because so, our police departments need things. Yeah. Like so that. they are very, very paramilitarized as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that, that is the the wrong tactic to take. Right. You, you do not treat your citizenry as if they are the enemy. Or th that's the definition of a police state. That's what you have. That's what you had in Nazi Germany with the Gestapo. That's, you know, you are building that sort of an atmosphere. And it already exists and it has existed for decades right. in many communities across this yeah. country. But we really need to look at that. And like I said, and part of it too is this super 
fragmented approach to law enforcement that we still have, which is just crazy. You know, where the police can be total, you know, like out of the worst movie, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And just so demanding in one community and then in another, maybe they are doing everything right. Right. We don't have any sort of across the board, what do I want to say, goals for our police or, you know. Right. So this police officer, um, he started working for the department in April of 2018. So he was a fairly new cop. Um, and probably had no training, like, right. you know, to speak up. Like when you honestly, that's another thing people need to research is the training that your police get. It's like, and not just because it's not the same. Again, it's not the same nationwide. It's going to vary so much by state and then by community and then by the type of law mm-hmm. enforcement they are. Are they sheriffs? Are they city police? And all of these discrepancies that we have, and they are terrifying. Yeah. So when this happened, he was placed on administrative leave mm-hmm. per usual because that's a that's a normal mm-hmm. thing. Anytime an officer shoots their gun, they get put on leave for an investigation to be done. Yeah. By other police. Right. And which is also such a bunch of crap. I'm not saying that when you're doing an investigation, you shouldn't have police people like as part of the committee to explain their side of it or whatever. Right. But you also need to have other eyes on you need outside eyes that do not have any sort of bias. Exactly. Like for any specific person. Yes. Yes. So, um, they are going to trial for this. Eventually Mm -hmm. he will be charged well, he will go to trial to de- determine if he's going to actually be charged and sentenced with anything. Um, there is a body cam video of this, and we don't have any we don't have any information on whether or not he has been sentenced to anything. He hasn't gone to trial yet, but but at it, least they are putting him on trial. It took him a long time to make that decision, right? So we did talk about the little girl. We'll go there next. Ugh. So this pisses me off mm-hmm. a lot. Well, this whole idea, I'm sorry, that a cop comes onto your property and has the right to shoot your dog is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're always like, well, you know, the dog was acting aggressive. Yeah, you're on their property and you're, you know, and very often dogs do have sensitivity to people in uniform. That's why they always bark at the mailman and the UPS guy and blah, blah, blah. And so that idea that you, just because you stepped onto someone's property and a dog barks at you, you have the right to shoot it right. is bullshit. Bullshit. So this was in Wichita, Kansas in um, 2017. Okay. So fairly recently. Yes. So a there had been a call to the police station needing um, officers down for, uh, down to their house because there was a man with a gun in their house who I now assume is their father okay and he was suicidal and all of this so they called to get police down there and when yeah it was her it was the father of the children and the mother had reported her husband saying he was threatening to hurt himself he's suicidal he has a gun and all of these things so they send police down there they go into the house, and this is also on body cam. This one is has already been posted to our discussion group if you would like to go watch that. Yeah. And it's on YouTube as well. Yes. Um, the cops go in, 
and you can see them in the living room. There are multiple children in the living room. You see one of the, the officer's body cam that you're watching. He kind of peeks down the hall, looks, looks in a room, and then he makes the comment that there's a dog in the living room. He announces that there is a dog there. And almost as soon as he does that, the dog starts barking mm -hmm. at him. And he immediately shoots twice at the dog. And there's that little girl sitting right there. There is a little girl directly behind this dog. First of all, you do not open fire in an enclosed area with children. You just don't fucking do it. No. Nor, this dog didn't attack him. No, he he's just barked. sitting there barking. And that he is doesn't lunge. Like, he doesn't no. move. He's barking. And what pisses me off is that that dog is doing what he knows to do. He is exactly. protecting the, the children, children from the strange men that he does not know that are in his house. You know, and say, take the dog in the bathroom and lock it up. Or, you know what I mean? Give an order. I understand that. You're trying to do your job. A barking dog is a distraction. You know, and I do understand. And it's a stress. Yes. And, dom yes. and domestic violence cases are some of the most dangerous for people to go into. So you say, hey, all you kids, you take the dog and go in the bathroom and go lock the door or something. Right. You, don't, you don't shoot. You don't open fire in a room with many children in it. You don't do it. So he does. He opens fire. He takes two shots. He misses the dog both times. And one of the bullets hits the ground, which happened to be concrete. I believe there was carpet over it, but yeah. for all in Underneath. all, it was concrete. Yeah. The bullet ricocheted and a piece of that bullet hit a nine-year-old, seven-year-old? I don't remember the A nine-year-old girl an inch above her eye. Had it been an inch lower, she probably would have lost her eye, her eyesight, because he opened fire mm -hmm. in a room with children in it because a dog barked at him. I just, I... <laughs> now, luckily, this little girl lived, did not kill her, mm -hmm. thank God. God, and the dog lived too. The dog you. did live because he missed... Mm -hmm. Clearly not a good shot when he's like a foot away from it and can't fucking shoot it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was... Not that I wanted him to shoot the dog, no. but like, clearly you're shooting... He has a good career as a stormtrooper ahead of him. <laughs> fucking apparently. Now, this is what pisses me off. They end up going to court to find out whether or not this was self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was justifiable mm -hmm. and whether or not he was going, this police officer was going to be able to be um, charged anything criminally or a civil prosecution, which means if found, hmm, I'm just, <laughs> never mind. We're just going to go here. So <laughs> I love it when you get so angry, you can't even put sentences together. <laughs> So, the officer's lawyer asked the judge to dismiss the case, saying that he had legally fired his weapon in self-defense and was entitled to immunity. So, the prosecutors said in the court filings that it was not reasonable under the circumstances to fire twice without a clear background with a child in the line of fire a few feet away at a dog that the officer already knew was, was present. There. And 
this is where I get really pissed off because, well, at least they went that far. Like, honestly, right. I have to say, like, I'm almost surprised that they didn't just dismiss it because of the number of cases that we do hear about that go the other way. Well, the judge did dismiss it and did give this police officer full immunity so it, he cannot be... What a bunch of crap. What a bunch of shit, isn't it? So now he cannot be held accountable. They can't, well, they can't sue him in civil court. They cannot. And that's what's bullshit, too. Right. These, these changes in laws that have been made that give, like you said, this full immunity mm -hmm. where, you know, we're supposed to have that dual system where if it's not... If you can't go through criminal court... Most people are like, well, at least I have some respite in civil. Right. And when that gets taken away from you as well. Right. I'm sorry. That's just garbage. Yes. Yeah. This, this lack of accountability is garbage. Mm -hmm. So this officer gets nothing. Yeah. And and is free to do it again. Mm -hmm. And and now what you've also done. So, I mean, in addition to all the anger that we feel about this one particular case, you have now put a guy back out there who thinks that this is the way you should act. Right. And you have told him, yeah, you should. I mean, you've enabled him. And you've enabled how many others? And that's the other big narrative that we have had as a change in policing as well in this country. Because over and over what you hear again was, well, I feared for my life. And the, what do I want to say, like the parameters for exactly what that means and exactly the, uh, the bar of proof that you have to meet for that, it's gone. You know, now, it has become so ridiculously low that it doesn't mean anything anymore. And again, basically what you're saying to cops is you get to shoot at whomever, whenever, and all you have to do is say, well, I fear for my life. Right. And that is a dangerous place for society to be. I I will add that this officer did lose his job. Okay, he good. He did get fired. Good. But he still can't be prosecuted for anything. Anything. He well, at least he got fired. He did. Um, but the judge said that the state has failed to meet its burden to demonstrate that the defendant defendant's use of force was not justified that the, that the defendant is entitled to statutory immunity from criminal prosecution and civil action as a matter of law. So the family can't do anything. Yeah. Um, there has the state did file an appeal. So this might go somewhere else, okay. but we'll yeah. see. But as of right now, no. Yeah. Which fucking pisses me off. Right. Now, the next one I'm going to talk about, I feel like a lot of people know. This is something that happened uh, last year, uh, 2018. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this was huge. We are talking about the murder of Botham Jean. Oh. Now, this was on September 6, 2018. And an off-duty police, uh, Dallas Police Department patrol officer, Amber Geiger, had entered an apartment that she claimed she thought was hers. And there was a man that she saw. She thought it was a robber. She shot. She killed him. Right. And this is one case that I obviously justice was done. I mean, they prosecuted her. She was found guilty. Well, her sentence was shit. True. But okay, so there we'll is get that. There. I, but I will say. This at least was better than so many of these cases. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, you know, when you think about so many of the cases prior to this, 
where you had cops shooting unarmed people and just walking away. Like there was nothing. Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, absolutely nothing. Right. I agree with you. Maybe it's not enough, but I feel like at least, and with the, the other case um, that you talked about, you know, at least this immunity, total immunity, I feel like hopefully is breaking down a little bit. Right. At least when there's a lot of publicity around these cases. But then when you talk about the numbers of people being shot in this country by cops, I think we need to be reporting a lot more of these. Right. So this, what made this case, I think, so big was that she walked into this guy's house and shot him. Well, during the, what happened during the trial was bonkers. Okay. Absolutely fucking bonkers. And this was a video that I had seen before I knew anything about it. And then I was watching court TV the other day and (laughs) it was, it played for like an hour straight on court TV. Um, now this originally, I'm like, first of all, how do you walk into the wrong apartment? Exactly. Well, and then they were like, well, she had just come off like, it was a long shift. It was an overnight she, or a late night like shift. like a double shift or something. something. I don't know. And so, and I get it. Like, I've been exhausted. I've stayed up all night. And I've done weird things. Do you know what I mean? Like, putting your keys in the fridge. or You know what I mean? Like, those weird things. I've never fucking not known that I was in my own house. Right. So, she was coming home from a shift. And the apartment complex that she lived in, she lived on the third floor. And Botham Jean lived in the apartment directly above her on the fourth, on the fourth floor. Right. So she ended up going to the wrong floor and went to the right, the same apartment. Right. Now, I don't know how these, one, I don't know how the apartments are set up. And two, most apartment complexes have a number on the door. Yes. Now, are the, my question that I want to know is, one, are the numbers the same on each floor? And I remember they did talk about this, and I'm sorry, that, because I didn't go back and review this right. case. I mean, I remember at the time right. that that basically the layout is, you know, the same but like are the numbers on the door and yeah, i can't remember I that and know. the other thing is like i i can see that you might not have looked you know what i mean like right. you just put your keys in and you walk in but that's the other thing is his door wasn't locked it was propped open yes. it was like a jar mm-hmm. just a little bit and that's why she was like what the fuck that's why she drew her gun because the door was a jar and she walks in thinking it's her apartment mm-hmm. and she sees a man in there i get it to an extent um but it's a fucked up thing that happened and he ends up losing his life mm-hmm. and she gets charged. Now, one of the big things about this that I noticed was that the community was fucking outraged. Right. Cause this was a guy he had absolutely. And again, this shouldn't have mattered right. to be honest. I mean, whether he had a criminal history or not, right. This, the way this went down, right. doesn't fucking matter because he was not committing a crime. Right. Period. Right. Um, but, again, we like to judge victims, and we do that in the media all the time. But here's a guy with a spotless record, and then he's like a saint. You know, everything you hear about him was so positive and right. kind, and he took care of his family. And, you know, there was just all of these things that made him... As brutal as this is, what we like to say is the quote-unquote ideal victim. Do you know what I mean? Right. You can't put the victim on trial, which you never should be allowed to do anyway. anyway. Right. Now, what the big thing about this... Now, before I say this, I do want to preface this by saying that 
one, I am not discounting the fact that there are racially biased shootings that happen. I am not discounting that. Um, but one of the huge things in this case specifically was that it was a white cop that killed a black man. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't like that for this case because it was not an on, I'm trying, I don't know. I'm not trying to defend her, but like, I'm also trying to like play both sides here. Because this one I'm kind of conflicted about. But again, about. okay, I'm going to interrupt because you do. You look at the number of cases, like going back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, where, you know, you feel in danger or like you said, you know, if the perpetrator is armed. How many fucking times do we have armed perpetrators that, like school shootings and things, where they're standing there and the cops get them, do you right. know, and take them alive. Mm -hmm. But then you have a dude standing there and... He's black mm -hmm. and gets shot and killed and doesn't even have a weapon on him. Right. But you, my lights, are there lights on inside? Because if you're in a dark apartment, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you're black or white or Hispanic or. But the TV Asian. was on. There's some light in there. I it's mean. It's not like you can't see anything. Right. I and guess she could see well enough to fucking shoot and kill him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that there was any. I do think that this was... And racial bias, here's the other thing. People like to think that racism is always about putting on a KKK hood right. and, you know, reading Mein Kampf and doing the Nazi salute. Okay, that is one form of racism. But racism exists like just about anything and everything to do with humanity on a continuum. Right. And there is a lot of it that is subconscious like you might even not realize it do you know what i'm saying that mm -hmm. you're doing it but it's still there so it can be as simple as if you're walking down the street and you see a man walking towards you and if it's a white guy you just keep walking down the street mm -hmm. but if it's a black guy you, you cross. cross to the other side right and you might not even have like a conscious stream of thought that you're aware of does that make right. sense it's just a reaction that you have that is a form of racial bias. Right. And, you know, you can get into all of the reasons for it, it happening. You can get into, I think, some, some very real discussion. Do you know what I mean? Right. About what do you do about these sorts of things? And, you know, how much are you allowed to blame the person crossing the street? Right. I think that there's a lot of validity there. Because there are differences between the things that we choose to do on a conscious level and the things that we feel driven to do on a subconscious level. Right. But if you want to fix things, you have to bring the things out of the subconscious and lay them out in the light and deal with them. Right. So I think that this case specifically was the worst possible. Like I do in my heart believe that this was an accident. You know what I mean? Was it preventable? Yes. Should she still be punished for it? Yes. But did she do it maliciously and on purpose? No, I don't think she did. I don't know. I'm torn on it. I really Now, am. what, during the trial, what was so huge about this was that Botham's younger 18-year-old brother took the stand. And he talked directly to Amber Geiger 
And what he said was, especially coming from such a young person, the way that he, one, held himself, the way that he spoke and the things that he said and did were phenomenal. And I could not imagine the strength of this kid. He gets on the stand and he starts talking to her saying that he does not hate her, that as a person he loves her, that he really just wants her to find God because that is what Botham would have wanted. That he wouldn't, he didn't even want her to go to jail. He wanted her to have the best life that she could possibly have and all of these things. And then at the end of everything that he's saying, he asks the judge, can I hug her? Yeah, and I remember that. But here's the other thing that you're not bringing up about this case. After she shot him, she did not call for help. She waited a very long time to call for help. She was still in her, her full dress armor. She had on her first aid materials that could have helped him that she did not use. Okay, well. <clears throat> so just because he takes the high road, that should not be on the shoulders of the victims all the time either. Well, no. But, like, in my mind, I don't think, I couldn't do what he did. Yeah. She didn't even try to help him after she shot him. That's the big thing here, too. So even if it was a tragic accident, she should have immediately called for yeah. help. And she did not do that. I can't remember the time lapse between that. You know what I mean? And when you hear her phone call, it's all about, I screwed up. It's not, oh my God, come help this guy. It's all about her. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. I know you're trying to be way nicer about this case than I am. And I'm not going to deny that there may not be elements of her being um, made an example of based on this long history we have pri prior to this of people of color, especially being shot by white police officers and nothing happening to right. them, that there may not have been a certain amount of reactionary, you know, I, I never want to simplify things too much. Right. However, like I said, there were things that she did that came out during the trial because at first I was very much, oh, I don't know if it's fair because she was tight. You know what I mean? Like right. you, I was like, I can maybe see, but there's also, it's not just what led you to the action. It's what it's happens what after. what do you do after? Right. And, see, and so, that became a very big part of this case as well. So I will say that until you brought it up, none of my research told me any of that about how long it took mm -hmm. her and that she had none of my research said anything about that. So that definitely fucking fucked with my mind a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Now what we talk about when we talked about her, her sentence. Now this is when it's fucking frustrating because yes, she did get charged. Mm -hmm. Her charge did change from manslaughter to murder. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing with Texas is they do not have First degree murder, second degree murder. They've got murder and manslaughter. Mm -hmm. And so it did get changed from manslaughter to murder, which is a, a, a worse slash better charge, depending on the way you look at it. In this case, it was she got charged with murder. 
because manslaughter is a lesser sentence. Mm -hmm. But with that, she still only was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but she can apply for parole after five. Mm -hmm. And what's frustrating with that, it's, it's hard for me with this because when people look at it, they're like, what? the fuck is wrong with our system that she got 10 years, Mm -hmm. maybe only five, maybe Mm -hmm. less than that with the good time. I don't know if she's going to have any of that. I don't remember Texas's uh, good time laws. Mm -hmm. So God knows what she's actually going to serve. But it was brought up when I was watching this on court TV that while yes, there are people fucking outraged that her, her sentence was so short. Mm hmm. But that wasn't, that wasn't the judge. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the prosecution. That wasn't the DA's office. Mm-hmm. That was the jury. And here's another thing that, that she did as well. So this is from Wikipedia. I just okay. want to read this. The prosecutor's alleged criminal intent, which is what moved this from manslaughter to murder, right. for two reasons. One, the distraction that caused her to drive to the wrong floor and go to the wrong apartment was not caused by tiredness after working a 13 and a half hour shift, but rather caused by the conversation she had immediately prior with her lover trying to arrange a meeting that night. So she claims she's too tired, you know, to understand what apartment she's entering, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't too tired to try to set up a date with her lover. Um, And secondly, that she did not follow standard police protocol of not entering a building with a potential burglar inside and instead calling for backup from the police station, which was two blocks away. Hmm. Go. Hmm. Well, she only got sentenced to 10 years. Yes. Five, uh, five years without parole. Then she can apply for parole after that. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are, I think I, I have a couple of more, but I think I'm only going to do one more. Uh, I won't go into this one, but the, another one that I had was the 26-year-old security guard from Illinois that was um, at the bar when there was a shooting at the bar. And he ended up apprehending the shooter. And then his police get there. He is then shot and killed. Mm-hmm. That was another one. I'm not really going to go into that one because I really wanted to talk about Charles Kinsey. Now, this one... Is another. I mean, they all fucking piss me off. Let's be completely honest. But this one really fucking pisses me off. This one almost is a just barely less than the child being hit with a ricocheted piece of a bullet. Okay. <sighs> Do you know anything about the Charles Kinsey case? Not just by name. So, uh, this was on July eighteenth of two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. Charles Kinsey uh, was a mental health therapist, and this was in North Miami, Florida. Okay. Now, he had been, he was African American, and he was getting his, a patient who was a 23-year-old autistic man. Mm-hmm. He had wandered from his group home. So Charles Kinsey goes to retrieve said patient. Okay. And... While this is happening, both Kinsey and his patient were unarmed Mm -hmm. and they had, they were walking back to the facility and there was a, 
um, the police had stated that they were responding to reports of a man threatening to shoot himself in the area. So the police received the call at about 530 and the uh, North Miami assistant chief, uh, police chief, said that the autistic man did not comply with orders when they arrived on scene. Now, this is what fucking pisses me off is we talked about the mental health thing mm -hmm. and how they should mental health issues should not be policed by the police. There needs to be medical there needs to be medical assistance right. when it comes to these kinds of things. And I think especially in 2000, well, this was what, what did I say? 2016? Mm -hmm. Even then, people for the most part know kind of the works of autism. Right. And like, fucking deal with it. Yeah. You don't just, uh, <laughs> Right, you have to understand. Well, and here's the thing. Like, I feel like sometimes as a teacher... I'm asked to deal with things, do you know what I mean, mm -hmm. that are more difficult than what police are. Right. Like, I understand, when, because we have autistic kids at the school, right. some of them are, you know, in, like, some can be in, quote, unquote, regular classrooms, but you definitely have to approach those. You can't just say to that kid, sit down and do what the other kids are doing. Right. You have to approach them in a different way. Right. I'm expected to do that. Why aren't you? Right. So... And I don't have a gun, and I shouldn't have a gun, which is another thing. Teachers should not be armed. So, the police come up on the scene, and they have Kinsey and his patient. Now, Kinsey ends up laying on the ground on his back. There's a photo of it. Oh, Arms my God. In the oh I do remember this now. And his patient oh, I do is sitting... This well partially cross-legged mm -hmm. again patient with autism is sitting partially cross-legged at the feet of kinsey with a toy truck in his fucking hands yep i do remember this and he there ends so, up so it was he kinsey had his hands in the air he identified or one officer identified by the city as North Miami Police Department Special Weapons and Tactics. He was a SWAT member. Um, Jonathan Alita, I believe is how you say his last name. He fired three rounds from his rifle. One bullet striking Kinsley in the, Kinsey in the leg. And uh, the shooting was right around about a block away from the group home that they were going back to. He... The Kinsey's lawyer said that there was a video of Kinsley, Kinsey lying on the ground with his hands in the air moments before the shooting. Um, he asked police not to shoot him and told police that his patient had a toy truck in his hands. Yep. And they shot anyway, even though all of the police officers, because it was said that they told all of the police officers around that he's got a toy truck. It's not a fucking weapon. Right. And, and he's autistic and he escaped from a group home. Like how many, much more information do you need to have? And not only that, the one that they shot was the one on the ground yeah. with his fucking hands in the air. What are you doing? This makes Zero yeah. fucking. This sense. is one of those cases that you're just like, I. Uh, there, there's absolutely no reason, for no logic behind any of this, except that you got too fucking much testosterone, buddy, and you feel like you've got something to prove. And it's like you got called out 
for a suicidal person. Yeah. Why? I get having guns drawn because it was said yes. that they had a they had a weapon. And suicidal people can be dangerous to others. Right, 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 right. But when you come across two unarmed people, one of them, the the one that ha- is a full They're mental- already in like a position. Do you know what I mean? Like when cops are like, you know, assume the position. He's on the ground. His hands are in the air. The other guy's sitting there. You can watch. They're not going to charge you. There's nothing either one of these people can do right. to harm you right. in any way. Why are you shooting? Right. So there was a witness that told the Associated Press that when police arrived, he grabbed binoculars and saw that the autistic man seated in the road next to Kinsley was Kinsey was holding a toy truck. Mm-hmm. He informed an officer that the man was holding a toy and not a gun, and she told him to back up and did not inform any other officers at this point. And then, at least 30 seconds before shots were fired, the officer clearly identified the item as a toy truck and shared the information with all of the other police officers on scene via their radio. And that was 30 seconds before anybody shot anything, so why the fuck are you shooting? And... Luckily, he lived. It was not a fatal shot. Um, but he shouldn't have been shot at all. This whole thing, just like you said, it boggles the mind. It's fucking boggles. How this ever even happened right. and went down this way. Right. But yeah, the picture of him. Oh, God. I can't. Yeah, it's just, you know what I mean? I do not understand how. Anybody thought, oh, yeah, I should take a shot at this point. Right. You know, I do have to say Bill Maher's been very good about talking about this for some time as well. You can hate Bill Maher, whatever. This one thing I definitely agree with him on. You know, and one of the things he's pointed out, and, you know, I'm sure this is worth a study, is, you know, he said, I just know too many guys in high school that were nerds, you know, and he We've says that. We've talked about this, you yeah. Know, yeah, you know, and now, and then they think, oh, I'm going to go be a cop. And then they spend the rest of their lives flexing and taking this. And I'm sorry, you should have to pass rigorous psychological training to be a cop and physical let's be honest well okay yeah physical training in general whatever i don't train the fucking cops please psychological in particular because like you know we've also talked about the fact that the reason that we don't take guns away from domestic abusers in this country is because it'd be 40 percent of your law enforcement right what does that tell you so when kinsley said that if kinsey i'm sorry said that when he first got shot, his life flashed before his eyes and he thought about his family and then he prayed. And then he also said that being shot was so surprising that it felt like a mosquito bite. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when he asked the officer why he shot him, the officer responded with, I don't know. (laughs) And Kinsey's lawyer also stated that when another officer asked the shooting officer, why did you shoot the guy? He then responded again with, I don't know. <laughs> and Kinsey did say that it during the whole situation, he was more worried about his patient who did not have his hands raised. Mm-hmm. And he said that he also did not believe that he would be shot himself. He said, quote, as long as I've got my hands, their hands up, they're not going to shoot me. That's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Wow, was I wrong. And 
his wife said that she's just grateful that he's still alive and is able to tell his story. And initially, the name of the officer who shot him was not um, revealed to the public. But like we said... Which again... Like, well, why the fuck not? Yeah. Tell me who shot the people. I want to know. And that should be. And the public should know. And, and here's the other thing, too, that since you bring that up, is that that's another huge issue we have, is the way that officers that do have various complaints filed against them are also protected. The way that is kept secret. It's taken out of their files. It only, you know, those sorts of a thing as well, where it becomes very, very difficult. So when you hear, well, this officer had, no, you don't really know they had no complaints. Mm -hmm. It's again, that protectionist mentality. He could have had many, but they got removed or, you know, whatever right. happened. So the, the officer that was placed on it, admin leave per usual and in addition to that, the police announced that the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office would assist with an ongoing investigation. Uh, the police announced that the shooter was a 30-year-old Hispanic officer who had worked in the police department for four years. He was a SWAT team member and um, then later identified him as Jonathan Aleta, Alita, not sure. Mm -hmm. Um and the there was a second officer who was suspended without pay for giving conflicting accounts of the shooting. Mm -hmm. So that means that I'm I'm assuming that the the officer that sh did the shooting it's him itself was honest about what happened. Mm -hmm. Whereas the second officer probably thought that he was going to lie about it, and he lied about it himself to cover this dude's ass. Mm -hmm. So he ends up getting suspended without pay for that. Um, there was a police department employee that had told, uh, that had said the officer fired because the autistic patient did not obey commands, which again, fucking bullshit. He's autistic. You know this. Mm -hmm. You were told this. And even though he's not obeying commands, he's still just sitting there with a toy truck in his hand. He's not doing He's it. not getting up. He's not yelling at you. He's not making... Any sort of physical threat. He's not even making verbal threats. No, he's not combative. He's not no. argumentative. He is sitting on his ass, waiting for you to finish doing whatever you need to do to let them get back to their fucking day. Not for them to sit there as you shoot at them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this case is just, yeah, rage-inducing. Yeah, so... Thanks a lot. Um... <sighs> On July 22nd, the head of the local police union, John Rivera, said that the officer who fired the bullets was aiming for Kinsley's patient and was trying to save Kinsey's life. So his his reasoning went from, I, I don't, don't know. know to so I was trying to shoot the autistic guy who was just sitting there with a toy truck in his hand right. doing nothing. Right. Which, again, this is like, hi, I had to come up with some bullshit story, so I'm going to pretend I thought that, oh, I was trying to save the guy on the ground because somehow I thought he was in danger, even though it was obvious the only people he was in danger for was you. Right. And then, so not only did he get shot, but accidentally got shot, and then he was then put in handcuffs and was just, like, left there bleeding. Yep. And it's like... You didn't, you didn't take him to get help. Instead, you cuff him for what? He didn't fucking do anything. Why are you cuffing him? Well, so, and again, this is what I'm talking about. This is this mentality that police have been 
just stewed in for decades now, as has, I'm sorry, society in general, that cops are these valiant heroes and their lives are constantly in danger and everyone they come across, they need to treat brutally. Right. And that has got to stop. Mm -hmm. So in, on August 3rd of 2016, Kinsey filed a lawsuit Good. against the shooting officer. Good. Uh, claiming that he violated his civil rights. Which he used, did. And used excessive force and falsely arrested him. Yeah. Because which he did. There's no, what's what's that word? I can't even think about now because I'm so damn mad. But probable cause. Mm -hmm. There's no probable cause here for anything. Mm -mm. None of it. Um, and in the complaint, Kinsey states that the officer violated his Fourth Amendment right to be free from excessive force during police seizures. Yep. And when that is the Fourth Amendment, people. That's another thing. Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it is the Fourth Amendment in the Bill of Rights. Try getting as impassioned about that one as you are number two. Right. That I was waiting for that to come up because I was staring at you. were talking about the Fourth Amendment. I'm just sitting here thinking about the Second Amendment and how people are trying to take that away. Mm -hmm. But... It's but you're fine with number four being flushed down the toilet every for the past 20, 30 years. Right, right, right. Um, and he said that uh, the shooting officer put handcuffs on him that were too tight, cutting off his circulation. I believe it. And on April 12th, 2017, the shooting officer was arrested on charges of attempted manslaughter and negligence for his role of, in the affair. Now, <laughs> you ready? Are you ready? In no. March of 2019, the case was declared a mistrial as the jury could not reach a verdict on all of the charges. Which is such a bunch of crap. The jurors voted to acquit the shooting officer of uh, one misdemeanor count of culpable negligence for shooting at the victims. Um, but they could not reach a, a decision on how the three remaining charges, one was a misdemeanor and two for the felony attempted manslaughters. Um, so those were why it was a mistrial because they couldn't decide on what to do about them. And the prosecutors, um, it says that the prosecutors have yet to decide if they will retry the case. But in June of 2019, the shooting officer was found not guilty of two counts of attempted manslaughter, but guilty of culpable negligence as a misdemeanor. Seriously. Ugh. Yeah, you're right. This case, Like I said, this stuff just drives me over the edge. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing I don't have high blood pressure because I would have a stroke right now. There was a, a French article or it said France TV had wrote an incident about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and it stated that at, a t that the, t this time in the United States has been quote, plagued by intense controversy following the death of several blacks shot by police mm -hmm. and attacks on policemen themselves. Yep. And like I said, and especially when you look at, comparisons between the United States and other countries, you know, about like the number of bullets fired per year. And even when you adjust that for per capita, uh, it's so ridiculous. Like I think a couple of years ago, and again, this was on Bill Maher was pointing this out. I think in Germany, the cops had fired three bullets, three 
the whole year. That's the number of bullets they fired. You know, and there's just this huge discrepancy. This is, we still have this whole wild, wild west, Clint Eastwood, well, do you look, pug, do you feel lucky mentality in this country? And we have got to overcome it. Right. So in 2015, there were 94 unarmed uh, individuals that were shot and killed by the police. And that number actually fell almost half in a year. Um, as of 2016, there were 51 in that were shot and killed. And these are all unarmed. And there's a lot of this too, I'm going to say, is because of people whipping out their cell phones and a lot of police departments started with the body cam things, mm -hmm. you and know, and I do have to say good on them, at least for some of those things. That's what caught the little girl with the bullet shrapnel right. um, and the dog Well, thing. and one of the things I forgot to mention about that is when you watch this video, what, <sighs> so first of all, them opening fire in a room with a bunch of kids is already baffling in and of itself. But you hear this poor girl screaming, ow, you hurt my eye, ow, and she's screaming. And they, nobody goes to see if she's okay. okay. Yeah. Like what? They tell them to get out of the room. And then he's just like chilling on his phone talking like, oh, we need an ambulance. Like he has no sense of urgency. He doesn't even seem to have cared that a piece of this bullet just hit a nine-year-old over almost to her eye. They just didn't fucking care. Well, and like I said, this idea of, you know, that police officers have an obligation to build relationships with people in the community is such an essential part of what policing should be. And like I said, back to the Jennings 8, back to a lot of these, other, that's why you have this distrust of the police in so many communities right. and people don't go to them with it. You know, how much better would it be if people trusted you and they could come to you and tell you all of this information? Right. And see, that's one of the things that would that, make your job so much easier. Right. And see, it kind of scares me because, and I've never really thought about it a whole lot until I started doing this episode and like looking into these things is like my kid's five now. And we're like, we're trying to teach him that like the police are good mm -hmm. and they're there to help you. But like, it's not looking like that yeah. right now. And like, well, what am I supposed that, to tell and, him? And just think of that. If you're a black family in this country, you can't teach your kids that. Right. And like, you know, you hear about black families having the talk with, you know, hands on the dashboard and, you know, mm -hmm. all of those things that, that, that they feel like they, you know, they have to tell their kids. Right. I mean, and it's just... It's heartbreaking. And I mean, like, I myself have had to wonder about that because, like, my son's Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, do I have to have that conversation with him? Like, what, how, what am I supposed to tell him? Because most of his, almost his entire life, it's always been like, cops are good. They're there to help you. They're there to make sure that nobody hurts you. And now it's like, when you look at it now, it's like, what, who the fuck is he supposed to call? Right. And. And who can you trust? Right. And you it's like, I mean? if something, when he gets older, if something's happening and he is scared or something's happening or he's being hurt or something like that, and he needs to call the police, what, how do we know that something's not going to happen to him? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we know that 
they're not just going to come in guns a blazing thinking that he's doing something wrong, even though he was the one that called like it is. Well, when we have school shooting drills, that's one of the things we have to put, you know, drill into the kids is you come out with your hands up and right. you make sure they know you're not the shooter. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to tell my kid. I don't, I don't. Oh, oh. Well, I like I said, we just, we've got to change policing in this country. You know, like the education system, policing system, both need to be burnt to the ground and rebuilt from the ground up. Right. So that's, that's my take. It was, yeah, Mm -hmm. no. So as of, let's see. So I said 2015 and 2016. Mm -hmm. Now 2017, it went back up, but to 68. So it's still lower than 2015, but higher than 2016. And 2018 was, just kidding. I don't have that number. Okay. I thought I had that number. Anyway, people focus on this stuff. You know, put pressure on your politicians. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen here, and we need to take action. And this year, 2019, as of Christmas Eve, in 2019, there were 37 unarmed. So it did drop dramatically. Which is great. Right. Um, But, yeah, 2019, in the U.S., there were 37 people who had been shot and killed that were unarmed. So it did drop about half. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what 2018 was because right. for some reason. But from 2017. So it we has definitely have dropped about half. Thing, so that's yeah, good. so that is good. But um, so I did say, I t- yeah, never mind. Never mind. We didn't cover that. I'm yeah. just, I have so many tabs open on my phone trying okay. to get everything, <laughs> everything where it needs to be. And it's just. It's, it's a huge Holy topic. shit balls. Yeah, this is a long <laughs> episode, people. So I didn't realize how Kaylin long this gets was. into her stuff. So I do. I, yes. I don't. It's an accident. Yes. So once again, welcome to New Year, New Decade. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to Kaylin. And we just want to thank all of you for listening. Please let us know what we can do better. If you have any suggestions, we love suggestions. Yes. And and that's for everything. Cases, specific, like what can we do to make this better for you and more helpful? And keep leaving us those reviews. Email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram, our Twitter, whatever I do. <laughs> I'm so bad at that. Um, definitely check out our Facebook page and join our discussion group. Leave your input there. Our join discussion, our discussion. Our discussion group's really fun. It is good. And there's a lot of stuff that, that, well, a lot of things that we've talked about last episode, this episode came about as a result of that. So, right, 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 um, right. And just let, just know that we appreciate you and thanks for sticking with us. See you next time.